Thank you for tuning in to the Everyday Christian Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we show that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. Here is your host, Chase Green. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 16 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. This is Season 1 with the Scattered Abroad Network of Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. And today we have a, a special guest with us, one of the directors of SAN. And uh, he is Michael Clark. And I'll let him introduce himself now. Well, thanks for having me on, Chase. I really appreciate all the work that you're doing with the Everyday Christian Podcast and for Scattered Abroad. It's a big help to the brotherhood, and it's a big help to us. Um, I, uh, I'm i a minister for the Somerville Church of Christ in Somerville, Tennessee. Graduated from the Memphis School of Preaching in 2017, and I just graduated last May from Amherst University. I have a bachelor's in ministry and, and the Bible uh, through science. Um, I've got a wife, Megan, and a son, Adam, who just turned three years old. Good deal. Well, I appreciate you and, and everything that you and and Caleb are doing, directing our efforts with the Scattered Abroad Network. It's been a tremendous blessing already. I've, I've really in, enjoyed seeing the progress of the network and as we're recording this, we're just a couple of weeks in, but so far it looks like it's been a really good, uh, really good endeavor for sure. Well, um, we're going to continue our series this week on uh, the idea of for the love of preaching. And what we're doing is we're interviewing preachers and we're asking questions about how we got involved in preaching, what we love about preaching and things of this nature. And our goal is to encourage young men who are thinking about going into preaching to do so. And I know uh, for, in my instance, in my case, you know, I was a little gun shy at first, if you will, uh, to go into preaching. And it took me a little bit uh, to decide that's what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, But once I I got into it, I I fell in love with it. And so uh, I would like to encourage other men who maybe are on the fence about it uh, to consider jumping into this and, and going into preaching. So that's why we're doing this. That's why we've got Michael on with us this week uh, to encourage men who are thinking about preaching. So you've kind of already told us a little bit about yourself, uh, about your family and where you live, where you preach. And you did go to the Memphis School of Preaching, as as I did as well. And you were a wraparound student. I, I was wondering if maybe you could comment on that a little bit before we get started. Yeah, so wraparounds, you have a couple of different times throughout the year that you can come in. There's January, uh, there's October, and I believe November is the other one. I came in in January of the first year class, which meant that I started in the third quarter of the first year with First Corinthians and all of those other classes that we had. And what I've always heard the school described as is the first two quarters are, are kind of like a roller coaster going up to the top of the hill of that roller coaster and then quarters three and four of that free fall that you experience once you've gotten to the tippy top. And so I started with a free fall and then I got to end my last two quarters with going up that mountain, so to speak, uh, slowly but surely. And so it was difficult, no doubt, but I do recommend if someone wants to be at the Memphis School of Preaching, 
to do the wraparound program because there's a lot of benefits. Number one, you do kind of get to end school a little bit more relaxed. It's still Memphis, but you are already in a mode where you're working hard, you're doing everything that you have to do. And so those first two quarters don't seem near as daunting after you've done all of the other school and all of the other materials that you have to study. And you also get to have both summer schools, which is very important, I believe. There's a lot of good material in both of the summer classes that you get through both quarters. And you also get to go through a few different classes with a few different people. And so you meet more people by being a wraparound than you would if you started in June or if you started in August. And so that's that's kind of been a blessing because it's one of the only reasons that I actually know of Chase and know of some of the other guys on Scattered Abroad is I was wrapping around around the time y'all were starting school or that you were just as few months behind me. And so we got to hang out a lot more than we would have had I started earlier or later. Right. So uh, a really big benefit of being a wraparound, uh, again, kind of the non-traditional schedule, if you will, of school is you get to meet a lot more guys than the rest of us did. Right. So. Well, I appreciate you kind of mentioning that because I, I wanted to make sure and get that in there for uh, anybody who's considering going to preaching school uh, at a you know at a different time than than most start in, in uh, summer or August. So, um, so I want to start with you kind of defining preaching, and we we want to talk about why preaching is needed. Preaching, you know, if I'm going to define it, I want to look at what Scripture basically kind of defines preaching as. And there's a few different places that I think don't directly talk about preaching per se, but they're directly a portion of what preaching is all about. And I'm not going to read each passage, but I'm going to kind of just give a, a quick overview of them. And the first one's Isaiah 118, where it says, come now and let us reason together. And what that mindset is, is it's reasoning together about what the truth is, about what's supposed to be going on in your lives, how we're supposed to be acting. And when someone stands up to give a sermon, they're trying to show the people in that auditorium or in that setting, wherever they may be, this is how God wants us to reason about what the scriptures say about this subject. And here's how we're expected to live and to act. And you find that same mindset actually said in scripture in Nehemiah 8 and verse 8, where it talks about them reading distinctly from the book of the law, and they gave the sense which helped and helped them to understand the reading. And so preaching is taking God's word and delivering it to the people and telling the people, here's how God wants you to live, to behave. And that's the same thing that we find in Acts chapter 2, where Peter and the other apostles are giving this excellent sermon and this excellent, you know, rendering of what God's salvation plan was and how it all came to be. And it talks about many words and exhortations. He continued to exhort them and continued to teach them about what they needed to do. But preaching is not always for salvation purposes, which is a wonderful thing, but there's also preaching that has to be done when things aren't going so well, uh, you find in Nehemiah 8, for example, you have those people who had read in that law about the Feast of the Booths, and they had not kept that feast since the days of Joshua. And so they had to get back on track, and that was basically what reading the law did for them. And you have Galatians 1, 6 through 10, which talks about people turning themselves away from one preaching, one gospel, to another type of preaching or gospel, and that they are removed from God, basically that they are removed from him who called them to a different gospel. And it's not another gospel. There's only one, but they've turned away to something that would be more pleasing to them, something they would rather follow. 
And so what happens in those next few verses is if we are an angel from heaven, verses 8 and 10, or verses 8 and 6, preach any other gospel to you, then let them be accursed, verses 8 and 9, I should say. He emphasizes it on more than one occasion. That's important that if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than than what you've received, they need to be accursed. And so preaching is an incredible responsibility to make sure that we are putting forth the truth before people. And sometimes I'm sure you've been asked this too, do you get nervous before you preach? For me, I am nervous, not that I'm not ready to speak before people or that I'm not capable to speak before people, but I'm nervous because for the amount of time that I am speaking, I am holding the souls of the people in my, in the palm of my hands, and what I say can make or break their life. If I say something that is wrong and they believe me and they continue in that, I have damned souls. If I say something that is correct and they continue to, to live as Jesus would have them to live, I have helped deliver people to Christ and helped people have a life that is better, far better, if you will, than the life that they had before. Right. James 3, 1, uh, do not be many masters for we will receive the stricter judgment. And then in James chapter 5, he let it be known that he who converts the sinner from the error of his ways shall save a, a soul from death and, and cover a multitude of sins. So that's kind of the weight of preaching. And we need to realize how serious it indeed is. And I also think back to Second Second uh, Timothy 4, 2. Uh, our motto uh, at preaching school, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. So reproof is the idea of convicting people. And then rebuke is the idea of correcting people when they have gone wrong. And then exhortation is encouraging uh, one another to keep the faith. That's right. And, and that's that's our job as, as preachers. Uh, Michael, what what prompted you to get into preaching? Well, I uh, I grew up with a, a father and a grandfather who were preachers, and so that did play a pretty big role in me wanting to preach. You know, growing up with a father who is uh, a pretty well-known gospel preacher in B.J. Clark, you see the good and the bad of preaching. And I, I saw both sides being a child at home that had a father who was a preacher. But I think that that was the number one reason I wanted to get into preaching was you know, a lot of kids grow up and they say they want to be like their daddy. Well, I really did want to be like my dad. I wanted to make the impact that I saw him make and the wonderful times that I watched and witnessed far outweighed the times where he came home and looked discouraged or looked like he was frustrated or struggling. And I grew up thinking that preaching was one of the most noble things that someone could do because you really do help people beyond the pulpit. You know, you help people in all walks of life and all areas of life. And if a preacher can make that impact and preach the gospel, that sounds like a job that I'd really like to be involved in. And so that was the main reason for me to get involved in preaching. And South Haven, where I grew up going to to church, they had a fifth Sunday where the young men would lead the services. And so South Haven played a big role in my training as well, because I was given opportunity at 13 years old to stand before the church and preach. And not many churches do that. I know a lot do, but not all of them do. And that's a huge help to be able to sit there and at a young age, get up and have a sermon that's been prepared. And of course, it's nowhere near the knowledge that I have now going through school. And 10 years from now, I'll say the same thing about where I'm at at this point in life. But it was a blessing to have a congregation that saw value 
in their young men to say, if you want to preach, get up there and preach. We'll help you. That That is definitely tremendous foresight uh, for congregations that do that to give their, their young men opportunities to do that. I also wanted to mention your, your grandfather, too. So you have not only your, your father, BJ, but also your, your grandfather, TJ, who was a preacher as well. So so you've got generations that went before you that preached, and certainly uh, you've got that legacy, if you will, of, of preachers in your family. That's right. But you're also your, your own man, and uh, you know you could have chosen to do something else with your life, and there would not have been any wrong in doing that, but you did choose to preach. And, you know, that's a wonderful blessing to see generations of, of preachers like that. Well, um, I want to also ask you about your experience at preaching school uh, at Memphis. Uh, overall, would you say it was a good experience? It was. It, it had its ups and downs. You know, being a director's kid anywhere is not necessarily the easiest of things. And so I had problems of trying to make sure that, I knew my role and I wasn't always perfect about that, but I tried my best to remember my place that, yes, my father is the director, but I'm a student just like everybody else. And sometimes that worked out and sometimes people may have thought something else that was going on. And I can guarantee you that wasn't the case, but it was difficult only in the sense that I had a father who was the director, a grandfather who was an instructor, and I knew all of my instructors from the time I was two until the time I went through school. And so I had a lot of personal relationships that were really difficult to kind of push to the side so that I could be a student for two years. That's really difficult to do when you've known people for decades at that point, basically, to sit there and say, okay, we're not friends. You're the teacher. I'm the student. And I'm, I, I'm listening to you and I have to listen to what you say. And so that was a little bit of an adjustment, but it was also a big adjustment because I got sick while I was in school. I got Crohn's disease uh, right as I started the Memphis School of Preaching, and that's actually what I've been talking about in my season on Far Better is my journey with Crohn's and what kind of happened to me and how I was able to overcome what was going on with my body and my health because of God and His blessings through suffering that He can carry us through it. But it was difficult because I missed a lot more school than the average student would because there were many days that I was sick or having to go to the doctor or had a procedure that needed to be taken care of. And so I had to play a lot of catch up. So there were a lot of later nights than normal. Uh, I know the average student doesn't necessarily sleep eight hours, of course, but there were many nights where I would get home. And not only did I have to study for the amount of time that was expected, but then I had my assignments to get done as well. And so I had to learn how to be efficient quickly and get my assignments done correctly in the quickest way possible because of all the time that I was missing. And so it was a an even more difficult two years being a wraparound on top of all of that as well. Right. So, you know, preaching students are not immune to hardships. And uh, Michael's given an example of hardships in, in his case. And, uh, you know, we, we go through hardships at preaching school sometimes, some students more than others. Uh, but you also can can know this. Uh, those students at, at school there's a great camaraderie there, and we help one another, and, and we studied together, and we helped pull one or th one another through those those difficult hardships. If you want to learn more about um, Michael's journey with with Crohn's disease, you're welcome to listen to his podcast, the Far Better Podcast, which uh, debuts on Wednesdays at the Scattered Abroad Network at scatteredabroad.org. We've got about five minutes remaining. So uh, within the five minutes left, I'd like to ask you, 
uh, if number one, if a brother in Christ is thinking about going into preaching, would you recommend that he do so? And then the second question is, what advice do you have for someone who's thinking about preaching? Well, the first one, I would I would seriously ask that person why they want to go into preaching, because a lot of times our events like Polishing the Pulpit and the Memphis School of Preaching Lectureship, we have so many of these great and well-known preachers come into a location and they proclaim the word of God. And for some of us at times, we get this mindset that they're rock stars and that they travel the world and they're preaching and teaching and their life is just so glorious and grand. And that's what preaching is. And that's only a portion of what preaching can be. The real portion of preaching that needs to be put before people is when you're sitting in your easy chair at nine o'clock at night and someone calls you because their loved one has died and now you have to go be with the family. Or you're sitting in your easy chair, you just got home from a hard day's work and you remember, oh yeah, we have that work you know, project, that service project at the building tonight in about 25 minutes. I need to scarf down the food and I need to get to the building. And that's what preaching is really service, you know, if you really think about it. And so is it fair? Probably not. But is it what preachers are supposed to do? Yes. And preachers should be able to do that and be willing to do that. And so if someone says, I'm going to get into preaching because I'm going to make a name for myself, they don't need to go into preaching. Uh, They really don't. But if someone legitimately says, I want to help people, I want to proclaim God's word, I would tell that person, run to a school to get your learning because you cannot wait. I mean, people wait. And sometimes, you know, in your case, you were a little bit older when you went through school and there's nothing wrong with that, but you don't want to be somebody who is just getting started in your late forties. If you can get started in your early twenties, because you can do so much more. And I know a lot of the older students I've talked to lament about the fact that they wish they had done this earlier their impact in the kingdom is still going to be massive. It's still going to be phenomenal, but they wish they had more years to give. And so if someone is 18 years old and they're out of high school and they want to go preach, they need to run to the school of preaching of their choice that can give them the best biblical education. Of course, I'm biased in that I think you should go to Memphis, and I'm sure Chase would say the same thing, but there are many schools of preaching that can give you what you need. And so that's what I'd tell somebody if they were asking me on my recommendation. If I were to give advice, I would tell them a couple of things. Number one is you've got to do a head check every single month. You've got to make sure that you're not getting a big head because you you can be in a situation where people like your style of preaching. People want to hear more of what you have to say, and that can go to your head. And so you have to make sure to deflate your head every month, so to speak, to remind yourself it's about the kingdom. It's not about the messenger. And the message that we're presenting has to be the most important thing, not the people presenting the message. The second thing would be make sure when you go into preaching that you tell the eldership or the congregation that you're working with that if you have a family, they have to have time with you and you have to have time with them. Because if you're not careful, you can get so wrapped up in your work that your family is neglected. And my dad did such a great job with this. He would work all day. He'd come home and he'd spend all evening with us. And then when all of us would go to bed, he would stay up and get more done and go to bed at like two in the morning and then get up at eight and go into the office again. And he would just rinse, lather, repeat. And so you have to have both things going on. You have to work with the family and love the family and spend time with them, but also give that dedication to the work, but make sure most importantly, you're a person of the book. 
Because if you're not a person of the book and you're a good, excellent preacher, nobody's going to care once all that comes out. And so if we put forth our Christian lives and we put those on display without being arrogant about it, we will make more of an impact with people than if we seem like a good person and we're discovered that we're not. Good stuff. I couldn't have said it better myself. Michael, we appreciate you for joining us for the podcast today. Uh, As always, look to us at the Scattered Abroad Network. Look at our website, scatteredabroad.org, and you can find many wonderful podcasts on each day of the week, including the Far Better podcast on Wednesdays as well. Next episode, next week, Lord willing, we'll continue our series on For the Love of Preaching with another preacher from the Scattered Abroad Network of Podcasts. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms, and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.